So we are continuing this series, this life of Joseph, and we've been following his story um, as we've the last few weeks. Again, we start with the backstory of Joseph, and and again the the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and these were all men and and generations that came before. Joseph and fathers and sons that God was using to build into what eventually would be the nation of Israel. And Joseph is the uh, one of 12 brothers um, that are all sons of Jacob. And um, again, they all have the same dad, but they have four different moms. And this was, again, an interesting family dynamic that we've already seen in these weeks leading up to this. As we follow Joseph's life, we started with week one and kind of see where we're introduced to him. Um, in the later chapters of Genesis, and we're introduced to him and his brothers, and, and in that, that, those first opening chapters of Joseph's story, uh, we, we see that, that God gives Joseph some dreams, right? and gives him a glimpse of, of the plan he has for his life and how he's going to use him, and, and he shares those dreams with his brothers and with his parents, and, and they do not have a positive reaction. In fact, his brothers end up... Um, uh, deceiving him, right, and, and selling him into slavery, and he ends up going uh, to Egypt as a slave. And then um, last week, we saw kind of the next phase. Once he gets there, um, he ends up in the house of Potiphar. He's um, sold to him as, as a servant. Um, he quickly gets promoted to second in command in his household, and then he gets wrongfully accused by Potiphar's wife and gets thrown into prison. And that's, uh, um, again, where we left off, right, um, with him then being in prison, but yet seeing the same things happening in prison that happened in Potiphar's house, and, and where, as God continues to develop Joseph's character um, to be able to fulfill everything that God needs him to do, and eventually Joseph ends up being second in command in the prison. Again, we see this kind of similar cycle happening in Joseph's life. And, and now today, that's where we're going to pick up the story, is, is we pick up now with his life um, in prison. And as we continue the story, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 40 today. So if you have your Bible with you, I invite you to open with me to Genesis chapter 40. But before we jump into this, I want to kind of take a step back from his, his story, from, from his life. And as we look through all of these things, that we see this progression that is happening in Joseph's life. Right, that, that his character was not developed and mature enough to be able to handle everything that these dreams showed him that God wanted to do in his life, right? I mean, he, God gave him this glimpse of the future and how he wanted to use Joseph, but yet um, Joseph, as we saw the first week, his character could not handle that responsibility. And now, um, and then, but God yet continues to transform him. Right? And, and show him things and, and grow him as a person and in his life experience and his maturity and all of these things. And as we progress through this story, okay, we see signs that Joseph's character is being molded and matured. And that's what we will see here in this phase. We've already seen, again, he starts out from his brothers and into Potter's house, now into the prison. And we see, now we see as, as he interacts with those in the prison and, and as God continues to, to, to move chess pieces around in Joseph's life, he is building Joseph's character so he can handle the weight and the responsibility of leadership that God is going to give him eventually, right? But he's not there yet. And in fact, we see here he's still not there yet. In fact, but yet we continue to see signs, right? And, and pictures given to us through the text of, of how his character is growing and maturing. 
right? How God continues to be able to trust him with more and more. And, and, and we've seen kind of these theme verses for each phase of his life as we've looked at it each week. And, and the theme kind of verses today for this, this phase of Joseph's life and story comes from Romans 12, verses 14 through 16. And this is where it says, it says, bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think that you know it all. Now, this is good advice. Okay, this is a good goal for life, right? As we, we see everything that's described here in Romans chapter 12, th- this, is, this is good advice. This was good for Joseph. This is good for us. But yet, as we look at all these things that are described here in these, these verses, we realize that this describes a very mature and developed character, right? To be able to truly live that kind of life. Because the reality is we will be persecuted, Right? We will have people that don't like us, that don't agree, that, that we will have struggles in life, whether they're physical struggles, relational ones, economic struggles, all those things, right? Is that things are not going to always go our way. And the, the mature, godly character, right, comes out when those things happen. Right? When we are able to show these kinds of attributes in our lives and, and in our reactions and, and in our choices and in our decisions and in our relationships. Right? And what is described here in Romans 12 is, is a mature character that is developed by this Holy Spirit of God. And we see that happening in Joseph's life. And so we're going to jump into his story. We're going to see, point out a couple of things that we see developing in his life in this phase of the story. So again, here I gave you a few minutes to get there. Um, so here we are, Genesis chapter 40, and we are, are literally going to read the chapter okay, in this story. Um, and so settle in with me, follow along, um, listen to this, this story, everything that Joseph does here in these uh, verses. Genesis chapter 40, verse 1. Sometime later, Pharaoh's chief cupbearer and chief baker offended their royal master. Pharaoh became angry with these two officials, and he put them in the prison where Joseph was, in the place of the captain of the guard. They remained in prison for quite some time, and the captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, who looked after them. While they were in prison, Pharaoh's cupbearer and baker each had a dream one night, and each dream had its own meaning. When Joseph saw them the next morning, he noticed that they both looked upset. Why do you look so worried today? He asked them. And they replied, we both had dreams last night, but no one can tell us what they mean. Well, interpreting dreams is God's business, Joseph replied. Go ahead and tell me your dreams. So the chief cupbearer told Joseph his dream first. In my dream, he said, I saw a grapevine in front of me, and the vine had three branches that began to bud and blossom, and soon it produced clusters of ripe grapes. I was holding Pharaoh's wine cup in my hand, so I took a cluster of grapes and squeezed the juice into the cup. And then I placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. This is what the dream means, Joseph said. The three branches represent three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift you up and restore you to your position as chief chief cupbearer. And please remember me and do me a favor when things go well for you. Mention me to Pharaoh so that he might let me out of this place. For I was kidnapped from my homeland, the land of the Hebrews, and now I'm here in prison, but I did nothing to deserve it. And when the chief baker saw that Joseph had given the first dream such a positive interpretation... 
he said to Joseph, I had a dream too. In my dream, there were three baskets of white pastries stacked on my head. The top basket contained all kinds of pastries for Pharaoh, but the birds came and ate them from the basket on my head. This is what the dream means, Joseph told him. The three baskets also represent three days. Three days from now, Pharaoh will lift you up and impale your body on a pole, and then the birds will come and peck away at your flesh. Well, that's fun. Pharaoh's birthday came three days later, and he prepared a banquet for all of his officials and staff. He summoned his chief cupbearer and chief baker to join the other officials, and he then restored the chief cupbearer to his former position so he could again hand Pharaoh his cup. But Pharaoh impaled the chief baker just as Joseph had predicted when he interpreted his dream. Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, however, forgot all about Joseph, never giving him another thought. Okay, so we see here in, in this interaction now as Joseph is, is running the prison, right? As a prisoner, he's second in command. And, and again, we see this same situation where we're at. And now we get a glimpse into, into the kind of day-to-day interaction in Joseph's life, right? And this, this dialogue between these two high officials in Pharaoh's court, right? And, and Joseph in the prison, now, through this story and through this interaction, there's, like I said, we have some glimpses, right, of, of Joseph and his growth, right, and how his character is being developed. Okay, the the first, first two glimpses, or like evidence, again, of, of how Joseph is maturing and growing in his character, um, comes in Genesis 40, verse 8. Okay, we just read it, but we're going to look back at it again. It says, and they replied, we both have dreams last night, but no one can tell us what they mean. Interpreting dreams is God's business, Joseph replied, so go ahead and tell me your dreams. Hey, now, again, this seems like it's just another line in the story, right? But, but the rea- the, I want to point out, though, right, that, that Joseph reacts very differently in this situation than we've seen him do earlier in the story, right, when he was much younger. And you might have noticed, right, that their years just keep ticking by. Right, from, from when Joseph got the original dreams and, and he was you know, deceived by his brothers to this point. Um, and the text gives us clues on that timeline. We're going to look at that timeline next week as we kind of wrap this all up and conclude this series. But, but to say just years keep passing, right? And Joseph keeps growing and he keeps learning. Okay, what, one of the first thing that we see okay, is this phrase in this verse and with, of, of what, how Joseph replies. Right? His first reply to these men about these dreams is he says, interpreting dreams is God's business. Okay, and so we see this is very um, important, right? Because, and this is a very different reaction, right, than we've seen from Joseph earlier in the story, right? Because what started this entire saga? Joseph interpreting dreams. Right? And yet here we see that he he acknowledges that that's God's business. Right? He says, I, I don't have that ability. Right? That's not for me to decide how to, to react or to interpret these dreams. That's God's job. In fact, it, it, it is a little bit ironic, and I don't think it's, it should be lost on us, right? that interpreting dreams is what got Joseph into this whole mess in the first place. <laughs> Right? And yet, here he is, acknowledging, that's not my job. 
right? Yeah, this, again, this is one that he, he, he literally stepped into and just did himself, right, from the, at the very beginning, at, at age 17, right, in his immature character. And, and again, the text tells us how old he was at that original dream, right? And so we see this is our first glimpse of how Joseph is, is growing in his maturity and his character is being built because Joseph acknowledges God's role in his life. He acknowledges he needs God, right? He acknowledges that, hey, I can't do this on my own, right? There are things that God does and that, that are not my job. And, and there are so many things I think that we feel, even as followers of Jesus today, right, that we, we feel responsibility for that really are not our job. Right? It's things when we literally just have to, if it even comes to us, right? Again, they, it, this, this task comes to Joseph, and yet, what does he do? He reflects it back onto God. And you know what? That's exactly the same thing we need to do. And as we grow in our character, we start to learn more about who God is and what he does and his role and his power and who we are and what our role is and what power we have. And we start to, to realize what is my job and what is God's job. Right? And we start to acknowledge that in our life. And because, you know, literally that's why we need the gospel, Right? Because we need the gospel. God sent Jesus as the Messiah, right, to, to live a sinless life, to die on the cross, to rise again on the third day, to save us, to provide something we cannot do ourselves. Saving us is God's job, not ours. Just like Joe says, interpreting dreams is God's job. Right? And, again, and yet we buy that lie, right? I think that's the most basic lie that the enemy feeds us. Right? And we see the world and the unbelieving culture follow this lie all the time. I can handle it myself. I can save myself. I can be good enough. I can do the right things. Right? I, can, I, I, I can make it there without Jesus. Guess what? That's a lie. Right, and I think when that, that's in our own salvation, right? We cannot save ourselves. I mean, we need a Savior. That's God's job. That's his business. Right, and yet we know that for ourselves. Even if we're a follower of Jesus, we've, we've surrendered our heart. We've prayed and asked for forgiveness and received his love and, and get that into our life. That's how we join the journey of faith. And yet, even as followers of Jesus, we still take on more responsibility right, at, at, in evangelism right, and sharing our faith than what is really ours to take on. Because we, uh, you know, as we invite people and share Christ and, and live out our faith and, and try to, and, you know, share Jesus with those that don't know him, right? So many times when they reject, right, or don't follow Christ, we take the responsibility of that failure. And we shouldn't. Again, it's our job to point people to Jesus, right? To reflect them, to, to introduce them to the God that we love and that loves us, right? It is our job to share with them and to show them what it means to follow Jesus. It is not our job to save them. That's God's business. Right? And if we can't claim the victory for somebody coming to Christ, we also should not claim the failure. But we do, don't we? 
We see in Joseph is he acknowledges God's role in his life, and he's able to say, no, that's God's job, that's not my job. And again, we, if we remember back in Joseph's life, right, the main way he messed up the situation was not seeking God and what he was supposed to do with those dreams when he first got them. He took his own plan of action. He messed up the entire situation really quickly. And yet this time, right, he's acknowledging what is God's job and what is his. The good news in this is that he's learned his lesson. Right? He's, not, he's not committing the same mistake. He's acknowledging God's role in his life. And, and that's, that's the core reality, is that God is God and we are not. <laughs> right? That there are things that God can do that we cannot do. Right? In fact, when, when we, as we learn this lesson, as we continue to acknowledge God's role in our lives and what our role is in God's plan, uh, I'm just reminded here of, of Romans 12.3. In Romans 12.3, we are given a strong warning. In fact, Paul says, because of privilege and authority God's given me, I give you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. <laughs> Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Again, what how do we measure our own worth? Well, it's next to Christ. Right? It's by our faith. How am I doing? Again, am I staying in my lane in the way that God made me and fulfilling everything that I'm supposed to do, that God's called me to do as his follower, right? and I let God do God's stuff? And I trust him to do that, and I do my stuff. Right? And I acknowledge what's God's, and I take responsibility for what's mine. Again, this is the first glimpse of, of Joseph's character as it's building. The, the second thing that happens in this verse that shows us how his character is continuing to grow and continuing to develop okay, is where is the next thing that Joseph says, right? Because he says, go ahead and tell me your dreams. Right? He, he lays the foundation and says, hey, that's God's job. Right? That's, that's his business. Right? I can't do that. But then he also exercises his God-given abilities. Again, he, he shines the spotlight not on himself, but on God. He's saying, no, it is God's power. But guess what? I, I know God. And I have a connection to God that maybe you don't have. And so because of that, right, God has, has gifted me. God has given me the ability, right, to, 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 in this situation, in this specific time, the ability to interpret dreams, right? I can hear from God what it means. He'll tell me. And we all know, right, that, that how, how true this concept is, this bigger concept, right, that, that again, what really um, runs our world is who you know. Right? And, and again, it, who gets the, the business deal, right? or, or who gets to go backstage, or, or who, who gets to you know, sit in the front row, right? or, or whatever it might be, right? it, it ultimately usually comes down to who you know, doesn't it? If you know the right people, opportunities are given. Right? If I can't get the answer I need, right, I just got to get to the right person. 
Right? And uh, we, we all know this is true, right? Because we've all been sitting on the phone, right? Going through the phone maze, right? And when you finally yell into the phone, person, real person, right? Because I, I need to interact with a, a real person to get the answers I need. And as as Joseph starts by by reflecting, right, the glory and the power off of himself and onto God, and then he says, but guess what? I know know God. I I have that relational connection with him. So so what everybody else can't do, right, God can do, and guess what? I know him. Right, so so I I can hear from him. So, So tell me your dreams. And, and again, this is, this is not coming of a place of arrogance. This is not coming out of a place of, uh, of, of you know, gloating himself, right, or, or putting himself on a pedestal. Uh, we see that, again, that's what he did originally, isn't it, right, with those first dreams, right, when he messed it up. And, and yet here we see him react very differently. He now acknowledges the, the presence of God in his life, the, the abilities that God's given him, right, and the connection and, and, and his, his ability to hear from God. And so he lives into the role that God has enabled him to do, right, which is interpret these dreams. And he exercises his God-given abilities. Okay, going back to Romans chapter 12, right, in verses 6 through 8. It says that in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. Okay, this is a, that's a really important statement. And then he goes into this verse and he kind of lays out some of the things that we can do well because of God's spirit. So if God's giving you the ability to prophecy, then speak out with as much as faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, then serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, then be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Now again, I would say this is not an exhaustive list, by the way. Right? This is an introduction list. These are some of the things that that God enables some of us to do. Right? But, the, but the overall concept is, is absolutely applicable to every person in every situation, to every gift, right? that, that to any, everything that God needs us to fulfill. That God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. Okay, so so it, I'll tell you, if you are um, breathing and have joined the journey of faith, you're gifted. Let me say that again. If you're breathing, and if you have joined the journey of faith and received Christ as your Savior and the Holy Spirit lives inside of you in your heart, congratulations, you're gifted. And now part of building and maturing our character is finding out exactly what those are. Now, again, we see in this concept, right, we know we're gifted, right, we know that God can do things that we can't do, right, and yet part of building our character and maturing our character is figuring out what those things are, right, and part of that is figuring out what we're not supposed to do, right, because my gifts are different than yours, 
And your gifts are different than yours. Right? And your gifts are different than yours. But guess what? We're all together in the body of Christ because we all need all the gifts. Right? And so I have my gifts and you have yours. And when we all come together and we all actually do what God do well what God has equipped us to do, right, then, then we are a complete, healthy, growing body of Christ. And that is God's design for the church. Right, and as we grow and mature, again, we, we, we pray and, and hope and, and live into what God opens our eyes to about who he is and about who we are. And again, the first one is acknowledging God, right? That, okay, God, you be God, right? As he tells us that we need to stay in our lane. And then the next step of that is figuring out what our lane is, right? And once we know what our lane is, right? Then he says, then do it to the nth degree. Do it with everything you have. Do it with excellence, right? Do it um, all the time, and the more successful you are, the more it glorifies, goes back to step one, right, of glorifying God, not myself. All right, and we, we see again how, how Joseph does this, right, and we see again these, these, this picture of both of these things from this work. We get two pictures of a, of a growing and a maturing character. Right, but we, we see two more a little later in the story. Okay, we move on to Genesis 40, verses. 14 and 15, where he says, and please remember me and do me a favor when things go well for you. Mention me to Pharaoh so he might let me out of this place, for I was kidnapped uh, from my homeland, the land of the Hebrews, and now I'm here in prison, but I did nothing to deserve it. Okay, now just like this earlier verse in these verses, we see two more glimpses, right, of Joseph's character. The, the, the next thing I want to point out as we look in this is, is how Joseph embraces his own story. Okay, Joseph embraces his own story. Right, notice he, he says in here, right, I mean, he, he acknowledges, I mean, he tells them, right, how I got to this place. He says, I was kidnapped from my homeland, the land of Hebrews, and now I'm here in prison, and I did nothing to deserve it. Now, again, this, this could be interpreted a few different ways, right? I mean, this could be interpreted as a pity party. Right? As playing the victim. Right? As entitlement. And we all know that that is very rampant in our world today, isn't it? That attitude, that perspective. But I do not believe that's what's happening here. Hey, because, again, throwing your own pity party, entitlement attitude, uh, you know, playing the victim, I mean, those are, those are signs of an immature character. Hey, what what I, I think Joseph is doing here hey, is he's embracing his own story. He's acknowledging how he got there. Right? And acknowledging how you got there is different than blaming people about how you got there. And just as we talked about, right, all of these, these chess pieces that God's moving around in Joseph's life, and, and he's recognizing some of his own faults, you know, and, and wrong decisions and kind of in all of that. He's recognizing how he was victimized by some people, and he absolutely was. 
right? But, but yet he's kind of pulling this all together, and, and yet he's, he's finding, um, you know, finding out how his character is being built through all of these experiences, how God is using all of these things to build his character, and he's accepting that. Right, because the other thing that we, we typically could do, it's something that Joseph could have been, right, was that he could have built, you know, let those calluses build up and just turn into this bitter man. Right, about, about how everything had gone wrong for him. Right, and that's when we get mad at God and we get mad at everybody else and we just get mad at the world because I'm just mad. Right, and, and that... that that doesn't put us in a, in a healthy place, right? And, but yet he embraces his own story. Because the reality is that our story has the potential to hold us back. Our own story has the huge potential of holding us back. Whether it's because of embarrassment, right, of the decisions that I made, right, or the situations I was in. Whether it's a fear of repeating it, and so I'm like, I don't, I don't want to repeat my past, and so I'm just not going to do anything, Right? There's, again, the weight of guilt, right, of, of what things that I've done or, or, or choices I made or, or places I was I shouldn't have been, right? There's, there's that guilt. There's lots of reasons how our stories hold us back. Okay, but yet, if we can embrace our own story, right, it, it's not about changing our story, but it's about acknowledging how all those experiences have made you into the person you are today. Right? It's, it, it's acknowledging right, that I need God's power in my life because I'm good at messing it up. Right? It's, it's acknowledging that all those experiences right, are helping me not to go down and repeat it, but to know how not to repeat it. Right? It's, it's about letting God rebuild my character, right, and, and help and building me into who he sees me as, not the way that I see myself because of my past. It's about embracing God's grace and his love, even though he knows how flawed I am. He still forgives me, he still saves me, and he still transforms me and makes me new. Right? And part of embracing my own story is how we move forward in that. It's about finding healing from the damage, right? Not being paralyzed by it. And I, I honestly believe when Jesus says these famous words of the, then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free, this is exactly what he meant. Because if we embrace our own story, then we can find God's forgiveness and his grace and his love and we can be set free from it holding us back thank you father right if we embrace our own story right then it won't hold us back in james five sixteen, this verse says to confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so you may be healed the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Now, I bring up this verse because this is, this is I think, the concept that we need to really um, fulfill, right, in order to embrace our own story and keep it from holding us back. Now, again, we use this verse a lot, and a lot of times we use this verse to talk about prayer, right, which it absolutely teaches us a lot about prayer. Okay, we also use this verse to, to talk about accountability, right, and, and again, and which, again, it, it absolutely does that. But, but I bring it up today, right, from, for a little different angle. 
Okay, because in order for you to actually confess your sins to other believers and to accept prayer, you have to embrace your own story, don't you? The first step is acknowledging where I've come from, acknowledging the damage that it's caused, acknowledge that I need God and I need others to enter into my story to be set free. Right? And so it starts with embracing my own story and not hiding it, not being embarrassed by it. Not, no, again, I'm not, not probably shouting it from the rooftops, right? I mean, this is not what it's telling me to do. Right? But it's saying I can confide in other believers. Right? And, and I can acknowledge my own story and I can confess where I need to confess and I can um, you know, acknowledge the, the character that's been built in me and I can be set free and find healing through community. Because I'm able to embrace my own story so I can move forward. Right? And, and we see Joseph do that, right? He, he embraces his own story as, as he, he tells him, right? Again, a big part of embracing your story is being able to recognize as you embrace it and you process it, is you're able to look back and see where God was with you. Right? Because so many times we go through our story and we, we don't even recognize where God's been or how he's helped, or, or he's protected me, or, or you know, saved me from situations, or whatever it is. In fact, um, that's one of the things that I've heard from, again, we've all heard these different journey stories that people have done, right? And we record them, and we've, we've watched them as, as a church family, and learned from them, right? Whether they're being baptized, or these different situations. But, but one of the, the significant things about making your journey story is writing out your story, and when you do that, you embrace it, and you, you see God's hand in places you never saw it before. Right? And, and there is power, there's huge power in embracing our own story. So it doesn't hold us back any longer. Again, not, not erasing it, right? Because your story has made you who you are. And we don't want to change that. Because God loves you exactly how you are. But he wants to set you free. And Joseph embraces his own story. And the other thing we see Joseph do here in these two verses is we see that Joseph advocates for himself to move forward. Again, not playing the victim, not throwing blame, not doing all these things, right? But he advocates for himself. Because hey, notice, what does he say? Right? When he talks to him, he's like, hey, I, I can tell because God's shown me this. God's, God's with me. He's shown me what's happening for you, and which means you're getting out, right? And you're going to be to a person of influence, and, and again, this is a chess piece that God's moving in Joseph's life with this cupbearer, right? And, and he tells this cupbearer, he says, um, do me this favor, right? When things go well for you, mention me to Pharaoh so he might let me out of this place. He is standing up for himself, right? He, he's advocating for himself so he can move forward because he knows that this is all out of his hands, right? It's out of his control. He is stuck in prison. But yet he advocates for himself. Right? And he asks for help. And, and as he does that, right, we, we see that the way that he does this, he goes back to see these, these first fewer steps, right? Because these, these are crucial to this fact of him advocating 
for himself to move forward, right? The first two steps is to acknowledge who God is and his role, right? Don't think higher than myself, stay in my lane, and again, and yet as we do this, because if we don't do that, then we'll end up in a prideful place as we advocate for ourselves, and we will force doors open that God doesn't want to open, right? And because and we can create opportunities for ourselves, can't we? We all know how to do that. Right, and that, but that's different than advocating for yourself because it's so easy to fall into the trap, even as we start to do this, to end up in a prideful place and, 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 and end up outside of God's will if we force stuff to happen. Right, and we can do that, right? But advocating for yourselves right, is, is something that God can use. In, in Hebrews 5, 12 through 14, he says, you have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. But instead, you need someone to teach you, again, the basic things about God's word. You're like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Again, as, as this is a strong rebuke right, to people who have been camping in their faith for a long time. Right, this is a strong rebuke of people that have sat back and said, I need you to do everything for me and, and feed me and help me and, and, and they never grow because they never advocate for themselves. Right? They never take their own responsibility. Right? They never take action in obedience to what, to what they're being taught. Right? They never internalize anything. All day they just sit and they just consume and consume and consume and drink lots of milk. And I'd say this is a huge problem in the American church, by the way. Huge. Right? We sit in the rows on a Sunday morning and we just keep drinking milk. Right? And we never advocate for ourselves and, or, or take the next step or, or step out. Right? We never embrace our story. We don't let God develop our character. We don't surrender ourselves to God's power. Right? We don't do any of these other things. And then we sit there and then when things aren't going well, right, we start pointing fingers to everybody else in the church, to the pastor, to the worship team, to the staff, and the, the, kid, the youth ministry is not good enough, and, and that's why my kid is off the rails. And, and right, we, just, we just point and we blame and we throw everything everywhere else. And God's sitting back and being like, man, you think that's the problem? Because it's not. The problem is you're still drinking milk. And I've been, and God has been working on your character to the point where you should be able to teach, right? That's exactly what it says. It's like you've been walking with God long enough. You should be teaching and mentoring people. You should be a disciple who's making other disciples, but yet you're still sitting and just attending. Are you going to advocate for yourself to move forward? Right, to grow in your faith. As, as we, we look at our church and our, at our vision, right, and, and these, these steps of the faith journey, they, um, 
Are, are we going to grow through those, right? Uh, five steps of the faith journey. Attend, grow, serve, lead, and mentor. Where are you at on that, on that growth path? Are you moving forward? Are you taking responsibility for yourself? Right, are, are you advocating for yourself and for your own growth? And, you know, we've talked with, with the staff and leadership and, and whatever we talk about. The, our role as church leadership is to set the table for you, right, to provide you what you need to grow. But it's up to you to partake. It's up for you to, it's to learn to take the next step, to be obedient, to let God's spirit transform you and build your character and mature your faith. I can't do that for you. And neither can any of our staff or any of our leaders, right? Is Just like I can't save you, I can't grow your faith. Okay, that's not my role. <laughs> right, that's, that's, that's God's job. Hey, as, as we think about this and think about this challenge, right? Um, again, what's the next step in your journey? Do you need to accept Christ as your Savior? If, if that's the next step, then, then pray and receive him as your Savior. Do you need to embrace your story, make a journey video, and get baptized? Right, do, do you need to get into a small group, right? Be more consistent in your attendance. Do you need to volunteer in a service team? Do you need to take a leadership role? Do you need to get, get connected with a companion? Right, again, your journey is different than mine. I don't know what your next step is, but the reality is, even when your character is maturing, even when you're doing everything right, things don't always come together the way you expect. Because we see that's exactly what happened for Joseph, right? I mean, we see these signs that his character is building and maturing, and yet this is the reality of what happened. Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, however, forgot all about Joseph, never giving him another thought. And now Joseph, again, is faced with another choice. How is he going to react to that? Right, is he going to continue to do these same things that he's been doing and continue to grow? Right, or is he going to fall into the trap and point fingers and have his pity party, get mad at God? Right, we, and we know that, don't we? We've all been down that road. Right, as we think about that, right, even when this happened, Joseph kept going. I'm sure he got discouraged, but he didn't lose hope. Right? When things don't go as we expect is when we trust in God the most. And that's when it becomes critical for us to continue to grow is that we, we choose God. We acknowledge God in our lives and, and we can just continue to trust his timing, trust his wisdom, right? and, and, and his character building in my life. So what's your next step? How are you going to react? My final thought for us today is this. God is building, molding, and maturing our character is not an easy process. But it is critical to fulfilling God's purpose for us and his church. What is the next step in your journey? Okay, God needs you to grow. God wants you to grow. Right? He needs all of us to grow because he needs all of us to fulfill everything that he needs us to do in our own lives and our hearts and, and, and in our church and in our community. And again, I, like I said, I don't know what your journey looks like today, but, but I do know that God wants you to move forward. He wants to set you free. He wants to build and mature your character. 
Will you let God do that? Will you submit and surrender to God and let him do that? God, we are thankful that no matter what is happening in our lives, God, we can praise you. God, we know that you're God and we're not. We know that we need you in our lives. And God, we thank you for being there for us. God, for saving us no matter where we're at, no matter what our backstory looks like, God, you're there with your love and your grace, and we praise you for that today. And God, I pray, Lord, that you would set us free and help us to live as free every day. God, that we would embrace our identity as your child. Lord, that we will surrender to you and let you build and mature our character. And Lord, that we would truly fulfill everything you need us to do. God, we thank you for the life of Joseph and the example that he gives us. And God, I pray for each of us, Lord, as we go this week, that we will take a step forward in our journey. Lord, that we will take our faith more seriously. We'll show this world who you are. God, that we will be molded and, and matured by you. God, that we'll be more like Christ tomorrow than we are today. Lord, help us to go this week, every day, in every step of our faith. God, we thank you for being with us, for giving us hope, for giving us love, uh, for showing us the next step. God, we commit to that next step as, as we go through this week. Guide us as we go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.